Welcome in. Welcome back to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Happy to be back. Appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Happy March to all of you still experiencing this winter weather, whether it's in Kansas City or other areas. It's uh, one of those cold uh, spring uh, seasons that we've had so far. Not very fun. Well, technically, it's not really spring, but once the calendar flips over to March, I mean, come on, that's... It should feel like spring, but we're not there quite yet. But hey, uh, it's not the first time this kind of thing has happened in Kansas City. But nonetheless, uh, got a lot to talk about with the Kansas City Chiefs. A lot going on with the Chiefs since we've last done an episode of the Chiefs Film Podcast. And a lot of things as well that we can touch on in our closing segments. So, very fun show planned for you guys. If you guys want to interact with me, you can do so in a couple of ways. Facebook.com slash Farzee That is the Facebook page. Give that page a like and follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me over at the Tweet Machine at Farzine21. That is my Twitter handle, so give me a follow on there. And make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And make sure you share those links as well. Greatly appreciated for those who have been doing so and spreading the word for the Chiefs Zone Podcast. On this episode, talking about a lot of the Chiefs rumors going on with D4, Justin Houston. Will they be part of the Kansas City Chiefs in 2019? Will they be traded? A lot going on there. Not a lot of news with Eric Berry. However, there's a lot of safety news out there in the NFL in which the Chiefs could be involved. So we'll talk about that as well. Plus, one report out there, a stunning report as to who the Chiefs could be going after. So there's that. And also some news about Tyreek Hill and a potential extension, a record-setting deal on the way. All of that and much more on this episode of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Again, I greatly appreciate all of you guys downloading and listening to the podcast. Obviously, we were off last week and a couple of you guys even tweeted me, messaged me, emailed me. Asking, hey, uh, is, is the podcast coming back this week? So I appreciate those who did reach out, uh, wondering when the podcast would be, would be back, excuse me. And of course, here we are uh, doing another episode of the podcast. Uh, there's a lot to get into here. And let's not waste any time because there is a lot to get into. The biggest uh, story that happened last week, we learned that the Kansas City Chiefs placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Outside linebacker D. Ford, who could be making his way to now uh, the defensive end position with the 4-3 switch that the Chiefs are transitioning into under Steve Spagnuolo, the new defensive coordinator for the Chiefs. And basically what the non-exclusive tag means, and this is something that Matt Derrick, who's a friend of the podcast, and uh, he put this out there on social media, he mentioned that the non-exclusive tag for D. Ford means he can sign an offer sheet with another franchise, but the Chiefs have the right to match any offer, and if another club's if another club signs D Ford, they would have to surrender two first round selections to the Kansas City Chiefs. This is actually a situation that we had with Justin Houston, who had the non exclusive tag, and there was an opportunity for the Chiefs to gain two first round draft picks if Justin Houston signed with another team. So, and obviously we know about Justin Houston's situation. We'll get into that shortly. Uh, but the, uh, this was expected. Everyone expected D Ford to get this, uh, get this tag. By the way, I, I saw the, um, the news about this on social media and some of the facts that they were pointing out about, about D Ford. He had 11 sacks uh, a couple of seasons ago. 
they put out his sack total for uh, for 2018. And one of the things that they also put, one of the fun fact, I guess, uh, th- th- those those tiny little blurb things that they put out there, in addition to his seven sacks and seven, or excuse me, 13 sacks and seven forced fumbles, they wrote uh, something to the effect of how he kind of blew the game against the Patriots where he was lined up offsides during a crucial point where the Chiefs had an interception. To I mean, that right there, and I know Dan Patrick, he was doing an interview with Barstool Sports, and he even took a jab at D. Ford mentioning the offsides, uh, the, the neutral lining, lining up in the neutral zone. Uh, I mean, that that is just with him right now, which is kind of unfortunate. Uh, but this was still expected. Uh, a lot of people know D. Ford for that big gaffe against the Patriots, but man, uh, if you look at what he's done... This season, clearly the best season of his career. By the way, I said 11 sacks a couple of seasons ago. I meant 10 sacks. 11 if you do include that playoff game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. 2017, obviously not a good year with D4 uh, with dealing with injuries. Uh, playing only six games and had just two sacks that year. But obviously a monster 2018 season. Uh, one of the best linebackers, or pass rushers I should say, in the game uh, this past season. 13 sacks and seven forced fumbles. The seven forced fumbles. Uh, that ties uh, for most in the NFL, along with J.J. Watt. Now, there was some additional news shortly after uh, it, offic- it It was rumored that the Chiefs would tag the 40 It was official earlier in the week, but the news came out that the Chiefs are open to the idea of trading D. Ford. Now, here's something I'm going to say right now. I don't think D. Ford gets traded. I really don't, unless... There is some insane offer out there. Two first-round picks, which, again, I don't know if that's a realistic possibility for D. Ford. Uh, I mean, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I really don't. You look at the kind of season he had. Again, 13 sacks, 7 forced fumbles. What would teams be willing to give up for a pass rusher like D. Ford? I mean, there are teams out there that are in desperate need of a proven pass rusher. And D. Ford does fit that bill, but how much are you willing to give up for him? I don't know nowadays. And, and look, there's a lot of talk about how this is a very deep draft class uh, of, of pass rushers. So I don't know if there is a big need for teams to want to get D. Ford, give up so much in, uh, of their draft picks, or maybe uh, even a player or two, whatever the case could be. And fork over these draft picks whenever you have what is being touted as a really good group of pass rushers in this draft class. Now, let me just say this real quickly because a couple of seasons ago when Patrick Mahomes, Deshaun Watson, and Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Deshaun Kaiser as well, I'll throw his name out there. uh, When those guys were entering the NFL draft in 2017, there were mixed opinions on that draft class. A lot of people were unsure as to whether or not this is a good draft class or not. And the three guys who were taken in the first round, the three quarterbacks, Trubisky, Watson, or Trubisky, uh, Mahomes, and Watson, in that order, they all made the Pro Bowl this past year in their second season as pros. They also, by the way, all of them made, made it to the playoffs in their second season. Mahomes did make it to the playoffs his first year, but technically he was... Not playing that year. Yeah, he did play the Week 17 game, but we all know the story there. That was really a game where the Chiefs just put in all their backups since their sta- their placement in the playoffs would not change. So for these guys to 
playing their second seasons and for all of them to make it into the uh, playoffs for the first time in their second seasons says a lot about that, that, that quarterback class. And it was a class that people had mixed feelings on. Some people thought it was a great draft class. Some people thought that this was not going to be a good group of quarterbacks coming in. Even with Deshaun Watson, who uh, I feel like he had the most hype coming out of college football, especially the way that he dethroned Alabama when Clemson defeated the Crimson Tide. Uh, He had the most hype, yet he was taken last among those three guys taken in the first round with Trubisky and Watson. So you never know sometimes when you hear this whole deal of how this is a great class of pass rushers. You just never know with those, with those kinds of things. I feel like we we hear that a lot, that, hey, there's a lot of great quarterbacks here, a lot of great receivers, linebackers, whatever the case may be. I, I feel like the only year we did not hear that was in 2013, and man, that was one uh, bad year for the Chiefs to have the number one overall pick. I know Eric Fisher been inconsistent. I thought this year was his best year, though I don't think it was necessarily a Pro Bowl caliber year. I thought it was by far the best year of his career. And the way you look at everything the Chiefs have tried to approach that draft, I mean, they looked at other options. Instead of getting Geno Smith or EJ, uh, EJ Manuel, uh, they ended up, getting an offensive tackle when they try to trade out of that. By the way, speaking of EJ Manuel, and I don't want to get too off topic here, but uh, oddly enough, he has signed a uh, contract with the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Of course, he was uh, drafted out of Florida State University, drafted by the Buffalo Bills in the first round, shockingly over Geno Smith, and uh, he signed. Uh, He and a couple of other players, uh, Sammy Coates, a receiver who uh, a few Chiefs fans may remember, uh, they have signed uh, future contracts with the Chiefs. So uh, it's funny I mentioned EJ Manuel's name because he did recently sign with Kansas City. But uh, you never know those kinds of things. Terrell Pryor did sign with Kansas City in the offseason a couple of years ago, but unfortunately uh, got let go short within that same offseason. So you never know what those kinds of deals. We'll see what happens as the offseason goes along. But back on track here with D Ford and how. This is a good year uh, to draft a pass rusher. So there may not be a lot of teams that would express interest in a guy like D Ford, who is under the franchise tag right now, the non-exclusive franchise tag that is. However, there is a lot of talk about Justin Houston being on the move. Uh, A lot of reports out there state that the Chiefs looking to trade Justin Houston. And what could the Chiefs get from him? And let me just say this. If you're going to get draft picks... Similar to the Marcus Peters trade where you got a third round pick in 2018 and a second round pick for this year. I kind of pondered the idea that maybe that's the kind of deal that the Chiefs might receive in an offer sheet. And to me, I think you got to decline that. If you're going to get multiple draft picks, they've got to be all, all this year. They just have to be. And here's why. The Chiefs already have... Three picks in the first two rounds. And albeit they are all late round picks. You got a late first round pick and two late second round picks. This is a year where you need as many draft picks possible. Because you are trying to construct a more viable 4-3 defense. Yeah sure you got a couple of players on your defense right now. You can shift around. Uh, You have Anthony Hitchens who has familiarity in the 4-3 defense. You have Reggie Raglan, who has not played an NFL game in the 4-3, but has practiced with the with the Buffalo Bills, I believe, in the 4-3 defense under Rex Ryan, that is. And unfortunately, due to an injury, he never got to play that year for the Bills. And who knows if 
playing that year would have kept him in Buffalo. But nonetheless, uh, you do have a couple of players that have experience in the 4-3, but you need a little bit more to help complete some of the missing pieces to the puzzle. Oh, how will Chris Jones do in this new defensive style? Uh, a lot of questions, and I feel like the Chiefs really need to bring in as many draft picks possible to help fill in some of those missing pieces with that front seven for a potential 4-3 defensive change. And I mentioned this last podcast where we looked at some of the mock drafts from people who talked about how this is, by far, uh, it's almost unanimously agreed upon that the Chiefs are going to pick defensive players with all three of their picks. Now, I think it was Matt Miller who was the only one who had the Chiefs taking two offensive players in the second round, but... For the most part, a lot of people who had their mock draft, they had the Chiefs going defense, defense, and defense with those three picks right there. And here's the thing with the, uh, with Justin Houston. There is the possibility that you could get a second-round pick and a second-round pick only. That might be the best and highest offer you could get in a trade for Justin Houston. Now, there's also the possibility where you may get a... Third round pick and a late, uh, another late draft pick. Whether it's a sixth or seventh round, maybe an additional pick for next year's draft. And I don't. If someone's going to offer a draft pick for next year, if it's in the sixth or seventh round, okay, fine, take that. Uh, especially if you're going to get a third rounder. Uh, but man, I'll tell you what. If you get a second round pick for Justin Houston and just a second round pick alone this year, I take it. You have a late first-round pick, and you've got three second-round picks. And again, I know the Chiefs and the Rams obviously placed uh, there; they finished very high in the in the season, so they will be. Uh, I mean, they, they'll they'll be picking late. There's no doubt about it. Again, it comes with the territory when you have a good season, and if you trade with a team that also has a good season. Uh, and again, I mentioned before with the Chiefs, I'm not concerned about late draft picks because. The Chiefs have found so many great players outside of the first and even outside of the second rounds. And we talked about that plenty of times before. No need to get into it again. Uh, But I think you guys get the idea. If the Chiefs were to get a second round pick for Justin Houston, uh, look, uh, I I mentioned before, I'm not really open to the idea of trading Houston. uh, Although I can understand what the Chiefs are trying to do. Uh, if they uh, cut him before June 1st, uh, the dead money would be at $7.1 million with a $14 million cap saving. And that is that is pretty huge for an NFL team. It really is. And I'll get into this later, but I teased at the beginning of the podcast that Tyreek Hill could be due for a big deal. And the Chiefs are really trying to move into that direction. Brett Veach men- mentioned uh, earlier this offseason, last month in fact, in a teleconference, that the Chiefs have already, uh, a year ago, have done everything possible to restructure some contracts, try to fix this cap that John Dorsey kind of made a mess with to do everything they can to be ready to extend Patrick Mahomes. And there's all this talk about a $200 million contract. I don't want to get into that on this podcast because this is not really the time for that. But at the end of the day, you know that you've got to keep guys like Tyreek Hill and Patrick Mahomes. And I'll get into that a little bit later. But for right now, look, I get it. Justin Houston, in my opinion, I think he's not only deserving of the contract that he landed, but I think he's he he deserves it right now, this second. A lot of Chiefs fans are saying he he deserved it, but maybe not worth it right now. And again, I disagree with that. Uh, for a team that had 52 sacks 
This is someone who went out there, had nine sacks, one sack short of double digits, and who knows what else he could have done if he played all of the, uh, the, the four games that he was absent in. And perhaps he's able to do a little bit more. Keep in mind, he was in the top five in the NFL in forced fumbles and had those nine sacks on a team uh, where the play. I mean, you had D Ford who had what? 13 sacks and Chris Jones had 15 and a half sacks finishing third in the NFL. You had two guys with double digits in sacks. That's not a very easy thing to get on a defense, especially given this Chiefs defense with how bad it was. So there's that to consider right there. Now, here's another thing I want to consider also. Let's be honest with ourselves. How much of a shakeup do we really need with this Chiefs defense? Uh, Again, I'm going to stick to my opinion all along that I don't really think the Chiefs should trade Justin Houston. Again, I get it. It's either Justin Houston or extend Tyreek Hill. Um, So you can't have both. Uh, That's the unfortunate part of this business. Justin Houston wants wants his money. He wants his contract, and that's understandable. Uh, But the Chiefs have to make a decision, and perhaps they're leaning towards Tyreek Hill over Justin Houston. Those are the kinds of business decisions, tough decisions, you have to make in, in, in sports. And for the Kansas City Chiefs, you look at this defense right now, and I just have to ask this, because I don't know exactly what's going on with Justin Houston and his agent, and how open are they to restructuring a deal? But I'll tell you what, man, the Chiefs have already made significant changes on the defensive side of the football just with coaching alone. They've already made the necessary steps by improving and bringing in a new defensive staff with, of course, Steve Sagnolo as a defensive coordinator, replacing Bob Sutton, and a lot of great assistants on the staff, many who are going to become defensive coordinators, I would say, within the next five years. I would keep an eye on these three guys. I think they're all going to be defensive coordinators at some point within the next five years of their coaching careers in the NFL. And I think that is something to to note of. Listen, I, I said this before, and I'll say it again after the Patriots loss in the AFC Championship game. If the Chiefs were to fire Bob Sutton and bring in a better coaching staff, and I think what you have right now is better, if you do that, which the Chiefs have done, And if you kept the same personnel on defense, I truly do believe that this defense goes from 31st to the top 20 in the NFL. And I even said, I guarantee it a top 10 if they were to make the right changes this offseason, which I think they will. But even if they don't make any changes with the defense, maybe they draft a couple of guys to provide depth. But if you brought back the same starters and key players who come in for rotation... I seriously do believe this defense will be better. I really do. And I'm not quite sure how many people would agree with that. But I feel like just based on coaching alone, this defense will improve in 2019. Now, how much are the Chiefs going to spend personnel-wise on their defense? Could they be looking to spend big on offense? Jason Lockenfora of CBS Sports reported that the Chiefs could be looking to add a big-name player on offense, shocking enough. Now, let me just say this. I know what people are going to say about Jason Lockenfora and, I guess, his opinions against Kansas City teams with the Chiefs and the Royals. Look, I'm not going to get into that. I know he has some sort of vendetta against the teams, but when it comes to Kansas City sports, Jason Lockenfora does seem to have some sort of a source that seems to 
provide him some of the best information out there. Jason Lockenfurl was the only one talking about Marcus Peters possibly getting traded, and everybody refuted him for it. So, look, I'm not here to say he's right or wrong. In fact, he, he didn't actually promise anything significant, uh, but he did say that the Chiefs are heavily interested in bringing in a big-name player on offense, and he hinted at the possibility of Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown coming to Kansas City. Both, of course, with the Steelers. Le'Veon Bell no longer going to be a Steeler. He will not be tagged. He will test the free agent market. Antonio Brown uh, demanding a trade in his... I mean, his, his time in Pittsburgh is pretty much numbered at this point. I think it's a given that he's out of Pittsburgh. So let me just say this. What if we went with the fact that the Chiefs are happy with this defense based on just the coaching staff and they feel like with personnel-wise, you'll improve drastically with that 31st rank. And you decided to bolster this offense. What does happen to this Chiefs football team? Because look, I did ask you guys, and by the way, Chris Jones apparently had come across Le'Veon Bell and there was a what-if conversation about him coming to Kansas City. Oh, it's on the Kansas City Stores website. I shared it on the Facebook page. Uh, but... Uh, we did talk last week about this article from Lock and Fora, and I asked you guys, would you be opposed to having Le'Veon Bell? Some of you guys said yes. Now, here's the thing. A lot of you guys asked me, too, would would it be realistic? Would it be possible to acquire Le'Veon Bell? Here's my answer to, to, to a lot of those questions, and I'll say it here as well. Yes, it is realistic to get Le'Veon Bell with the, with the cap space, assuming you find a, a, a trade partner for Justin Houston. However... Uh, we know Le'Veon Bell is asking for a lot of money, a lot of zeros in that uh, in that checkbook. So it's either going to be bolster this offense even more with Le'Veon Bell or focus on the defense. You can't really have both unless Brett Veach pulls an NFL Madden and turns off the salary cap and gets whatever he wants. That's not realistic, obviously. So I don't know. I think there is, I'm not going to say it's absolutely impossible, but I say there is a very, very slim chance that the Chiefs do go after Le'Veon Bell and, and sign him. Listen, at the end of the day, keep one thing in mind. Even though the Chiefs are not in desperate need of a quarterback, that doesn't mean that they will not interview or not work out quarterbacks who are expected to be taken in the first round. You have to consider all options here, folks. This is what NFL teams and sports teams in general have to do. They have to look and see who is available, who is coming to the draft. Uh, I mean, a lot of teams, you see a lot of players and there are reports that, you know, X player entering the draft following the combine or during the combine or in uh, his pro day workout, uh, he has met with 28 or 29 of the NFL teams. Now look. Just because a team met with them doesn't mean they're going to draft him. Just because the Chiefs meet with a quarterback doesn't mean they'll take him. Although, if there's a quarterback they really like and he surprisingly slips, hey, sure, of course they're going to take him because they had expressed interest in him and they maybe are, are surprised to see him fall uh, as much as he has in the draft. So, they will pull the trigger and make that move. You you just have to consider all options here. I'm not saying the Chiefs are going to do that, but that is something that all NFL teams are doing. Same situation with Le'Veon Bell and every other free agent out there you have to consider every option you have to tell yourself look if we add this player what happens to our cap space what about improvements for the other side of the football would we be okay there those are the kinds of things you've got to consider and let me just say this too because we hear this a lot in the NBA with players wanting to go to Los Angeles to go play with LeBron James 
because everyone wants to play with LeBron James. They know that they could be that missing piece of the puzzle to help improve the Lakers. Uh, Obviously, they've made some improvements this year, although lately they've slipped when they were in position to make the playoffs. But uh, you get the idea, though. People want to play with LeBron James to help increase their chances, their odds of winning an NBA ring. Same thing in Kansas City. Patrick Mahomes is like the LeBron James in the NFL. People are going to want to play with Patrick Mahomes because he can not only make you better, but you can maybe make him a little bit better and go out there and increase each other's odds of winning a championship. You never know. You you might even see defensive players say, hey, look, that offense is pretty good. Maybe I can help improve that defense a little bit. And there is one specific name I really like, and I'll get into that shortly. But you might see defensive players do that. They know that they've got a good quarterback on the other side as a potential teammate. So they know that by going to Kansas City as a defensive player, that they could increase their chance of winning a Super Bowl. So those are the kinds of things you've got to consider. And uh, a lot of players are going to want to play with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, They want to be on the same team as him. The Chiefs are currently betting favorites to win the Super Bowl in about what? 11 months. So there's that to, uh, to, to, to keep in mind. So I'm not exactly sure. Yes. Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown. I mean, if you could, if this is like baseball and you could just spend all the money in the world that you have. Yeah, sure. It'd be damn awesome to have all of those guys on this offense. Uh, you, you would have the greatest depth in the world, but we know that's not how it is in the NFL. So with that said, I think the chiefs or not, I think they'll definitely consider Le'Veon Bell, but I don't think there will be any serious attempt to bring him to Kansas City. Because we know Le'Veon Bell wants a big contract, and the Chiefs are probably going to want to spend a lot of their money, a lot of their resources, on the defensive side of the football for this 2019 offseason. Now, I did mention Tyree Kill and the Chiefs trying to add more cap space so they can potentially expend or expand, excuse me, Tyree Kill, wide receiver for the Chiefs, who had a phenomenal year, uh, set the record for most receiving yards in a single season in franchise history. And there is reports that uh, he uh, could be receiving a, quote, record-setting type of deal from the Chiefs. And to that, I say, good. You've got to keep Tyree Kill on this football team. You've, you've got Travis Kelsey for three more years. He is extended through the year 2021. You're going to extend Patrick Mahomes next offseason. The Chiefs have already talked about how they've planned for that in advance. You want to keep this special offense intact. Third highest scoring offense in NFL history. I know we'll talk about that a lot as the offseason goes along. And and the Chiefs want to do everything they can to even improve on, on such a thing. Sammy Watkins has two years left. On his contract. And I know Sammy Watkins was absent for a lot of the uh, uh, the second half of the, of the year. But man, when he played in the playoffs against the Colts and the Patriots, this guy showed up. He really helped this Chiefs offense come to life. Uh, offense struggled a little bit without uh, Sammy Watkins. Also at the same time where Kareem Hunt was absent. Although I don't think it was as big. I mean, keep in mind the Chiefs put up 40 on the Raiders. And before you, that was right after the Kareem Hunt drama. And before anyone says it's the Raiders, the Steelers played without James Conner and lost to the Raiders. So I'm never going to sit here and say, look, it was this team. Sure, I mean, quality wins, that can matter come playoff time. But at the end of the day, putting up 40 points on the road against any team 
That's not easy. By the way, do you know uh, the team who the Chiefs scored the fewest against this year? It was the Arizona Cardinals. The worst team in the NFL this year. So, oddly enough, Kansas City's worst game offensively in terms of scoring output was against the worst team in the NFL. Now, they still won that football game. And at the end of the day, you, you, nobody complained about how the Chiefs only scored 26 against the worst team in the NFL. People were excited at that at the time because the Chiefs had a number one seed and obviously finished with a number one seed. So there is this possibility of the Chiefs, again, with Sammy Watkins, the type of year he had in Tyreek Hill, potentially getting that extension. That is something the Kansas City Chiefs really need. And it would really help this offense, not just in 2019, but for years to come. Tyreek Hill's a very young player, and anything you can do do to keep Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill together, man, that is going to be one deadly offense and an impossible one for opposing defenses and defensive coordinators to prepare for and stop, essentially. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes had a quiet uh, couple of games where he was quiet on the stat sheet, but still found ways to, to move the football around. Tyreek Hill, he also had a couple of games where he was statistically quiet, but we know that's because this team also has t- uh, Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins for a majority of the year. They also had Kareem Hunt, and even without Kareem Hunt, we saw Damian Williams and Spencer Ware do a lot of great things in the backfield, so... This is an offense where you don't have to shine every single day. Uh, Tyreek Hill could have a bad game, statistically speaking, that is. But Travis Kelsey and Sammy Watkins will will shine. Uh, maybe Travis Kelsey doesn't catch a pass, but Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins are carrying the load. No big deal. That is the uh, the great part of this Chiefs offense. And I think part of the reason why Patrick Mahomes has so much uh, success here. Uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, and... Honestly, just about anyone at running back can flourish under Andy Reid. These are all guys helping out Patrick Mahomes, and Patrick Mahomes is also helping them out. It's it's a two-way street with these guys. Uh, like a perfect marriage uh, w- with these two here. Mahomes and these offensive skill players, and it leads to great success on the football field. Now, last thing before we go to our closing segments. No news on Eric Berry in terms of moving him. Now, there was a report that he is not going to have surgery this offseason, and a lot of Chiefs fans weren't happy about that. Some are wondering if retirement is on the way, and that I, I've heard nothing about. Uh, however, it is worth noting with Eric Berry that he's currently the highest paid safety in the NFL with a cap number of $16.5 million for 2019. Earl Thomas, who the Chiefs came damn close to acquiring via trade from the Seahawks, He wants to be the highest paid safety in the league. And it's not going to be an easy thing to do. The Giants, on the other hand, they did not use the franchise tag on Landon Collins, who has familiarity with Steve Spagnuolo, who is, of course, the current and new defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, was the defensive coordinator for the Giants, and again, has uh, some familiarity with Landon Collins. The Baltimore Ravens, in a very shocking move, they released Eric Weddle who played for the Ravens the past three years, also was with the Chargers from 2007 through 2015. Now, to give you an idea, Pro Football Focus, how they rank these guys, Landon Collins is a popular pick for a lot of Chiefs fans because he has that familiarity with Spagnuolo. He was rated the 39th best safety by Pro Football Focus. Earl Thomas didn't get a uh, ranking. He he didn't qualify for that due to a season-ending injury. However, uh, if he did finish the year healthy, he would have been on pace to be the second best rated safety from PFF. Eric Whittle, by the way, was 10th, which might surprise some Chiefs fans. And Eric Berry, 
they did not give him a ranking because he didn't play enough games, but they still gave him a grade, a, 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 a number, and he was in the seven. Uh, if he were to be given a number or ranking, he would have been somewhere in the 70s given the grade that he got from Pro Football Focus. Which, again, he didn't get a grade because PFF knows that's not enough to judge a player just off three games. Here's the thing I, I want to ask you guys. What options do the Chiefs have with Barry out there? Is there a trade partner out there? Is there anyone that is interested? in as great of a player Eric Barry is, it seems unlikely that a team would be willing to risk it for him right now, especially considering that he's not having surgery. Would you rather trade away Barry or Houston? For me, it'd be Eric Barry. Hurts to say because he is a very special player and everyone knows his story with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma and the battle that he won and beating cancer and coming back to the NFL and just having two great years with the Chiefs and unfortunately going down with another injury, a season-ending injury in week one, which happened to him in, uh, in 2011 against Buffalo, which sucked. Uh, but yeah, uh, I don't know if it's, if you want to trade Eric Berry over Houston, I get that, but there are not a lot of teams that would want Eric Berry for the reasons that you would want Eric Berry to be traded over Justin Houston. So here's the other question I have. Would you be opposed to having Landon Collins and or Eric Weddle as your two safeties? For 2019, with Dan Sorensen still part of the mix as a guy who comes in in rotation a lot. I feel like that was a very good role. And that's always been a good role for Dan Sorensen. I know he probably wants that starting role. And he's been starting a lot lately for the Chiefs the past two years. Because of Eric Berry's absence. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see what he wants to do there. Uh, that is something that you, you got to be mindful of. To see maybe, uh, maybe he wants to go somewhere else if he thinks there's a better starting opportunity elsewhere. Uh, but again, you gotta be aware. I mean, Landon Collins, Eric Weddle, you got Earl Thomas. Are you willing to dish out all, all that money to him, wanting to be the highest paid safety? Then you'd have the two highest paid safeties in the league. Uh, there's a lot to consider for Kansas City right now. A lot of good options out there. Uh, obviously, through the, through the draft, you can find somebody uh, proven free agent. So obviously, you'll take that over uh, a rookie coming in the, into the NFL. Uh, and that's not a dig at these young guys, but. Hey, look, uh, the, the fact is they're just draft picks, whether they're first-round picks or undrafted. Uh, they've got a lot to prove at the end of the day. So there is a lot to consider in that area as well. That is probably, to me, the most intriguing position for the Chiefs is the safety position. What are you going to do with those spots? Is Eric Berry going to be ready for training camp? I mean, even OTAs, will he be ready by then? Uh, if he does attend OTAs. What about a guy like Landon Collins who has the familiarity with Spagnolo, Earl Thomas, who the, who the Chiefs almost got, and, and Eric Weddle, who the Chiefs have a lot of, or Chiefs fans at least have familiarity with because of his time in the AFC West? Is he a guy who is heavily underrated and could come to Kansas City on a cheaper price than expected? A lot of Chiefs fans said a one-year option would be smart. I would be completely for that. For Eric Weddle on a $1 million or $2 million dollar a year. I, Matt Connor of Arrowhead Addict, who is a friend of the podcast, he tweeted over the uh, over the year about how surprised he was with some of the safeties who were, were signed and also signed for very cheap. And it kind of made you wonder, did Kansas City have any knowledge that these safeties were not only being signed, but being signed for very little. Their demand was very little. 
Did Brett Veach have any knowledge of that? That is something to, uh, I mean, you can't really go and ponder that idea so much. You don't want to fret back on those kinds of things. You can only move forward, but uh, let's hope the Chiefs are a little bit more aggressive with that safety position. There were some missed opportunities last year, and maybe it's because they thought Eric Berry would be back and they liked who they had at safety. Who knows? Here's the thing to keep in mind also with not just the NFL, but in sports in general, maybe what we think is a need for a football team, speaking on the outside as people who have never ran or played in the NFL before, or never ran a team, we, we think we know what the needs are. But within the organization, they may have a completely different opinion. And these are guys who are obviously qualified to do what we are thinking we know. That is another thing to, to be thoughtful of as well. Let me know your thoughts on everything we discuss here. Facebook.com slash Farzine Vesugian. Twitter.com slash Farzine21. And email me as well, Farzine at FarzineVesugian.com. A lot to talk about free agents here. And I know we didn't talk about the combine, which took place over the weekend. We are going to talk to Charles Goldman of the Chiefs Wire, which is part of USA Today. He will join us on the podcast next week. He was at the combine. And uh, he and his team, by the way, of the Chiefs Wire, they did a great job on social media with all of their work. If you haven't, go follow the Chiefs Wire. Go follow Charles and his crew. They did a fantastic job. Uh, I don't have their Twitter accounts in front of me, but I'll definitely mention it next week when we have Charles on the podcast because uh, I, I know he, he's not the top guy for Chiefs news. It's more of the Brooke Priors, Therese Palers of the world, but uh, this guy definitely killed it at the Combine, so definitely worth following as the offseason goes along if you want more draft news. And uh, Charles Goldman will be on next week to talk to us about all of that. Time to wrap up the show. Let's go around the NFL. The Jacksonville Jaguars are expected to land former Chiefs quarterback and former Super Bowl MVP Nick Foles, who is not returning to the Eagles. And look, good for Nick Foles. Because this is a guy who, even though he's not consistent for whatever reason, when the time matters, he really amps up and does well in December, January, and February games. For whatever reason. Uh, I'm sure the Jaguars will want some consistency from Nick Foles, but uh, I think it'd be a great landing spot for Nick Foles. And they would be moving on from Blake Bortles. Definitely a good move. For the Jaguars if it happens. And keep one thing in mind. The Jaguars were AFC runner-ups last year. They were runner-ups with Blake Bortles, mind you. And this is a this is a Jaguars team that, you know, we'll see if they can keep their defense intact. But they've been a good defensive football team. This year, not so much. But, uh, man, adding Nick Foles, it would definitely create some sort of a balance with that Jaguars football team. So, Nick Foles looks like, unless we're... And for a big surprise, he is on his way to the Jaguars. By the way, the Chiefs and Jags do play in 2019. That will be in Jacksonville. Speaking of quarterbacks, the Cardinals and Josh Rosen, maybe their relationship could be coming to an end. Shockingly, after one year, and look, uh, it's it's not realistic. I know we've seen this with the Cleveland Browns a lot. I remember Brandon Whedon was on the move after one or two years with the Browns. I don't even remember how long he was with the Browns. Uh, but unfortunately... This happens, man. Uh, You go through a a coaching change and you have a new coach. And at this point, you know, the the, the new guy in town was going to want things to be 
operated his way. I guess the question is, Josh Rosen, yes, he had a great college career. That's why he was taken in the first round and in the top 10. But you're only as good as you as you played recently. So is there a team out there that truly believes in Josh Rosen? And if they can see through his rookie year in the NFL, is there a team out there that can coach him up and put him in position to succeed? That's a very difficult thing to, to do. It's a very risky proposition for an NFL team. Uh, look, we'll see what happens because the Cardinals cannot uh, draft another quarterback in the first round two years in a row and pay two quarterbacks. It's not a, it's just not an ideal situation to be in. But hey, look, when you've got a new head coach in town, you want to have things run your way and you want to run, you want to start moving in that direction as soon as possible. So I get it if you're the Cardinals and you do that. It just seems like a very sticky situation right now because who do you trade Josh Rosen to and what can you get out of him? Because you never want to waste these draft picks, especially after one year. But look, don't forget Kavari Russell, a quarterback taken in the third round for the Chiefs, or by the Chiefs a couple of years ago, was released his rookie season very early. You just never know with these things sometimes. The Chicago Bears, they made a pretty important move, signing free agent kicker Chris Blewett. That's his name, by the way, Chris Fluett. After a tryout, the Bears decided to sign him in hopes of improving the Bears' kicking woes. Uh, look, I hope for the Bears' sake, uh, I hope they do improve in that area. Cody Parkey has not been able to come through for the Bears, and it has hurt Chicago in many ways. Obviously, that game against the Eagles in the wild card round where Doug Peterson ices the kicker and Parkey misses it, and now the Bears still have Cody Parkey. And now they have Chris Blewett after Parky Blewett in the playoffs. Yeah, I came up with that one myself. Go figure. But uh, no, seriously, uh, I, I don't know. Uh, it, it's one of those things where if you're a Bears fan, there's always going to be that thought of what could you have done in the playoffs if that kick goes a little higher, if it's not tipped or blocked, whatever the hell happened with the, with the kick. I know they statistically changed it, but uh, there's always going to be that thought at the end of the day. Uh, and I hope for the Bears' sake, man, uh, you just never know with that situation. You've uh, People forget special teams is a big part of the game. That's a reminder of that right there. Cody Parkey is a big reminder of that, especially for Chicago Bears fans. Let's go out of bounds. You know, I mentioned the Los Angeles Lakers earlier. A lot of reports out there that Lakers head coach Luke Walton, who also played for the team, he's on the hot seat and his job is in peril. Uh, Boy, what a mess it's been for the Lakers. Uh, Ever since LeBron James returned to the Lakers uh, after his injury, this Lakers team has not been doing well. In fact, they are the worst defensive team in the NBA. Uh... Look, here's what's about to happen, by the way. If I'm not mistaken, assuming the Lakers don't improve, LeBron James is about to... I mean, something's about to happen for the first time in eight years. LeBron James will not only not be in the playoffs, but he will not be in the NBA Finals for the first time after doing so eight years in a row. Kind of feels weird because I guess we just got to the point during his time with... uh, with Cleveland and the Heat and back to Cleveland, it's always been LeBron James versus whoever in the Western Conference Finals or from the Western Conference Finals. But man, uh, 
this is uh this is one of those situations where look Luke Walton I know there was not a lot of interest uh, from coaches wanting to come to LA and they wanted to look for for, for someone uh, who had experience in LA and they went to Luke Walton and I know they tried to promote him as a guy who was a former player and now a coach but it's just not really working out it's really not even when you got the best basketball player in the world in LeBron James it's just not going your way and I think the Lakers do need to make that move and part ways with Luke Walton and really be aggressive this offseason there are there are going to be opportunities to bring in players bring them in don't waste this opportunity with LeBron James because then he's going to hold out and say hey look I'm better than this and I deserve to be going elsewhere uh this is the Lakers we're talking about. A team that is constantly always being uh, talked about as potentially getting LeBron James for years. And now they got him. And now there's talks about the Lakers getting other big name players. So hopefully the Lakers can uh, figure that out because uh, Luke Walton certainly has not been able to. By the way, one thing I really want to touch on here, because I know we get very critical of NFL referees. Man, uh, I'll tell you what, it's brutal in mixed martial arts. The officiating in mixed martial arts recently in UFC events has not been very good recently because it is just brutal. Uh, look, in the NFL, you, you want to look at the uh, Rams and uh, Saints game because there was that blown call against the Saints. Uh, guess what? There was a missed call on Jared Goff, the face mask. And Rams fans, obviously, they didn't talk about that. Let's not forget. God forbid we acknowledge that the Rams did win the coin toss in overtime. Well, let's not forget about that. Uh, look, those things happened. Referees make a lot of mistakes in the NFL, but it's not like one mistake hurts everything. In mixed martial arts, damn, it is one mistake and it's over. Uh, so, for example, former Mizzou uh, wrestler... Ben Askren, uh, for Olympian as well, he made his UFC debut and he put Robbie Lawler, who was one of the more dominant welterweights in MMA history, he put Robbie Lawler in a bulldog choke and the referee lift, it looked like his arm went down, the referee goes to lift his arm up and it's limp, so the referee stops the fight, but the fighter was never choked out, Lawler was never choked out, Ben Askren got his win in the UFC uh, debut staying undefeated but man there was a lot of controversy in that situation there uh, and the welterweight championship fight involving Tyron Woodley another Mizzou wrestler uh, he lost his belt to Kamaru Usman the first uh, African born UFC champion which is very cool but the referee stopped that fight many times when Usman was in control and was active uh, on the ground in that fight so I'm not exactly sure what's going on in MMA uh, there are some egregious errors that are made and the moment the referee stops a fight and declares a winner that's when they make that a mistake whereas in the NFL one mistake doesn't decide the outcome but in the but in MMA man it does and it is not very good at all hey last thing I want to talk about here in this segment Salvador Perez has Tommy John surgery and is done for the year before the season can even begin uh, happened while he was working out. Man, this is just crushing. Uh, even people outside of Kansas City loves this. Love this guy, man. They just do. Salvador Perez, not just a great baseball player, not just a good guy. One of the nicest guys you will ever come across in this world. Uh, it is very unfortunate, and it is brutal to hear 
that he has gone through. No one deserves this, uh, but Salvador Perez definitely does not deserve this. And it is really sad to hear. Look, I know the Royals were not in contention to do anything, but if there was any reason to at least follow the team, Salvador Perez was probably one or maybe two of the bright. I don't know who the other bright spot on the team would have been. Um, But man, uh, he was a guy that, he was a marketable guy. And now, from a marketing standpoint, man, I feel bad for those guys in the Royals' office because it's not going to be easy to uh, to promote this team without your World Series MVP. Very tough blow uh, for the Royals, and especially for Salvador Perez, and hopefully he comes back strong for 2020. Final segment of the show, let's throw some penalty flags. Now, we just talked about this a moment ago with MMA refs and comparing them to NFL refs and the brutal mistakes that happened there, uh, one more costly than the other. The NFL had announced that they are not going to expand instant replay, especially for penalties. I know Bill Belichick, even though people think that the league bends towards the Patriots, Bill Belichick, of all people, he called for for this, for everything to be reviewable. And the NFL, not going in that direction. In fear of longer games, I guess. Look, I think we can all agree that even if it will lead to longer games, if it's all a matter of getting the right calls, I think people would be for it. And look, I know the NFL has gone to less commercial. The NFL would have a drive, and then you you get a touchdown, go to commercial, kickoff, commercial. The NFL doesn't go to commercials that often anymore, so the pace of games are getting better a little bit. And look, uh, there's no scientific proof that this would take longer for games. We see NFL games end in two hours and 30 minutes. Some of them end in three hours, maybe even longer than three hours. Uh, And that's without overtime. So look, I'm, I'm for the NFL expanding instant replay but unfortunately the NFL not wanting to do anything with their referees constantly making these mistakes and again I said earlier I don't think one or two mistakes make a difference but it would be nice if we had consistency from the officials I know this happened last week but I really do need to give my two cents on this situation Uh, I'm sure you guys have all heard about this I posted this on Facebook you guys had a lot to say about this but Nate Bucati of Sports Radio 810 WHB, he was sitting front row at the uh, KUK State game at Allen Fieldhouse, and he taunted, I forgot the name of the K-State player, but he taunted a K-State player uh, where he held the stat sheet to his face. Keep in mind, Bucati was not there as a media member, he was there as a fan, and I don't know why a fan has his hands on a stat sheet. That surprised me. But he was waving the stat sheet in front of this player as he was walking back onto to the court from the uh, from the bench. Let me just say this right now. Even though he was not working and he's having fun as a fan, when you are a public figure like Nate Bucati, your uh, let me just say this: your media cap is on twenty four seven, man. I don't care if you are there as a fan. If Nate Bucati is at Allen Fieldhouse attending a game as a fan, and if, hypothetically speaking, if a big-name KU player gets suspended due to NCAA violations, 
Guess what Navy Katie's gonna do? He's gonna talk. He knows the uh, he knows the guys over at KU Athletics. He's gonna say, "Hey, look, I'm here as a fan, but we got this big story. Do you mind if I go talk to Bill Self or anybody so I can uh, get some information on this?" And surely they would allow it because there is a positive working relationship there between Katie and KU Athletics. Uh, and by the way, KU games are on eight ten. That's another thing to consider. So even though you may not be working as a media member, you've always got to be wearing that media cap 24-7. If there is breaking news, guess what? You're going to want to scoop it up and uh, get some information on that. So, I get what people are saying that he was not there as a fan, but when you're a member of the media, when you interview interview these players and you're taunting them like that, it just comes off unprofessional, man. Again, I know he was there as a fan, folks, but keep in mind that this is what he has, what he does for a living it's a public figure type of thing. And, and let me just be... Let, let's just be crystal clear. For those defending Bukati, fine. But let's be honest. If someone from the competitive station, 610 Sports Radio, if Bob Fesco does the exact same thing, you know for a fact that Bukati and everybody at 610... Or, or, excuse me, 810 would be critical of Fesco. They may not mention him directly because 810 doesn't do that, but... Oh boy, you know they would take some shots at Fesco if he did that. You just know he would. Let's not let's not hide from that fact. Come on now. This is pretty funny. Uh, Kylie Jenner is officially the youngest self-made billionaire at 21 years old. Uh, no, you're not a quote-unquote self-made billionaire. I get it. I, I, I know she has her own clothing line and, and whatever else she makes money off of. Uh, I mean, some of these people get paid for YouTube videos and tweets, whatever it is. Uh, you're not self-made anything, okay? You basked in the glory and the fame you got from your family. And because we live in a world where a sex tape can make someone super famous, it got you all, you're in the great family. You're in a great situation and all you have to do is uh, go after athletes and celebrities so you can gain more fame and exposure. Congrats, Kylie Jenner. Uh, I'm impressed by your self-made success. Said no one ever. And people are saying, oh, listen to Farzee, he's bitter. Yes, I am bitter right now. I am bitter that we are in a world where anything silly can get you all this glory and fame and billions of dollars i mean let's be honest i think we would all be jealous of that so uh she is not a self-made anything absolutely not a self-made anything by the way speaking of billionaires forbes released uh, a really cool list uh recently a list of the richest people in the world there are exactly 2153 billionaires in the world according to forbes they have a long list uh, uh, and I'll read a few of them shortly, but CBS Sports looked at, at that list and they put together a list of the top 15 richest NFL owners, according to Forbes. And Clark Hunt, not on this list. Number one is David uh, Tepper of the Panthers at $11.6 billion. He is ranked as the 118th richest person in the world. Stan Kroenke of the Rams, second richest person. He is 167th overall. Surprisingly, Jerry Jones is the is tied for the fourth richest owner alongside Shahid Khan of the Jaguars. Uh, they're also tied for 224th uh, richest people in the world. Robert Kraft, and we all know uh, what he's been up to lately. 
of the Patriots. Uh, he uh, has six and a half billion dollars. He is the 244th richest billionaire in the world. Uh, a couple other notable names: Jim Irsay of the Colts tied 12th on the list with Jimmy Haslam. They are tied 838th. Dan Snyder is the 15th richest NFL owner. A little surprising there. At $2.2 billion and the 1,057th richest person in the world. If you're wondering who's in the top 10 uh, for richest people uh, from the Forbes list, Jeff Bezos and his family are number one. Bill Gates, number two. Probably no surprise to anyone uh, for number one and number two. Warren Buffett, number three. Mark Zuckerberg at number six. I thought he'd be in the top five, but just outside of it. Michael Bloomberg, a notable name also on the list at number nine. I was a little shocked that Donald Trump was on on this list. I'm not exactly sure. I, I only saw the top 50, and Trump was nowhere on that list, nor any of his family members. But I imagine he's got to be on that list somewhere. Uh, it's got He's got to be somewhere. But I'm going to read through that list later. I uh, put out the uh, link on Facebook. So if you haven't, go to my Facebook page and check it out. I put it in the comment section talking about the top 15 richest owners. So if you are interested to know who else is on the list... Go check it out for yourself. I'll probably check it out shortly after I uh, submit this podcast. Because uh, I wanted to look it over, but I wanted to get this podcast out of the way. Uh, very interesting. I love those kinds of lists. I really do. And Forbes does a great job with those kinds of things. So I'll definitely check it out uh, in just a moment. So again, I put it out on Facebook. And I'll tweet the link as well. What's nice about this list, by the way, you can categorize it by youngest, oldest, richest women, uh, by industry, and by country. So you can also kind of mess with it and go in certain areas and see who's the richest in the U.S. and Canada and so on and so forth. So pretty cool. It's, it's also my social media, so go check it out. Speaking of social media, I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash and on Twitter at Farzine21. You guys can interact with me on there. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and Podbean. And share the links as well. Big thanks to all of you who have downloaded and listened to this episode of the Chiefs Home Podcast. Next week, Charles Goldman of the Chiefs Wire, part of USA Today's NFL Wire Network. He will be joining us to talk about the combine, the draft coming up, who the Chiefs could be going after, and all the information he has. So we will talk to him next week and also touch on all the Chiefs news. What will have happened next week with Justin Houston, Eric Berry, D. Ford? We could know a lot more by that time next week. So we'll talk about that and much more. Stay tuned, stay subscribed, enjoy your weekend.